a journal of the plague year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 18 This episode is one of the most disturbing in the novel. It concerns the death of newborn infants and their mothers at, or shortly after childbirth, as the result, direct or indirect, of the plague. Some died along with their mothers at the moment of birth. Others died for lack of skilled midwives, the better of whom had fled. And there were even cases of infants dying at the hands of their mothers, driven mad from the disease. From the bills of mortality published weekly during the visitation, the author reports that maternal mortality, so-called deaths in birthbed, and incidents of miscarriages, premature births, and stillborn infants were roughly twice as high in 1665 as in the preceding year, on a population base he estimates as one-third smaller. And, of course, newborns were no less susceptible to the plague than any others, and many died in their mother's arms in the first weeks of life as disease swept through the entire household. In sum, this episode is a litany of horrors, told without literary embellishment of any kind. Horrors that lead the author to conclude that in future visitations, pregnant women and women nursing young children should use every means at their disposal to flee at the first rumor of plague. But alas, this was a time when everyone's private safety lay so near them that they had no room to pity the distresses of others, for everyone had death, as it were, at his door, and many even in their families, and knew not what to do or whither to fly. This, I say, took away all compassion. Self-preservation, indeed, appeared here to be the first law, for the children ran away from their parents as they languished in the utmost distress and in some places, though not so frequent as the other, parents did the like to their children. Nay, some dreadful examples there were, and particularly two in one week, of distressed mothers raving and distracted, killing their own children, one whereof was not far off from where I dwelt, the poor lunatic creature not living herself long enough to be sensible of the sin of what she had done, much less to be punished for it. It is not indeed to be wondered at, for the danger of immediate death to ourselves took away all bowels of love, all concern for one another. I speak in general, for there were many instances of immovable affection, pity, and duty in many, and some that came to my knowledge, that is to say, by hearsay, for I shall not take upon me to vouch the truth of the particulars. To introduce one, let me first mention that one of the most deplorable cases in all the present calamity was that of women with child, who, when they came to the hour of their sorrows, and their pains came upon them, could neither have help of one kind or another, 
neither midwife nor neighboring woman to come near them. Most of the midwives were dead, especially of such as served the poor, and many, if not all, the midwives of note were fled into the country, so that it was next to impossible for a poor woman that could not pay an immoderate price to get any midwife to come to her. And if they did, those they could get were generally unskillful and ignorant creatures, and the consequence of this was that a most unusual and incredible number of women were reduced to the utmost distress. Some were delivered and spoiled by the rashness and ignorance of those who pretended to lay them. Children without number were, I might say, murdered by the same but a more justifiable ignorance, pretending they would save the mother, whatever became of the child. And many times both mother and child were lost in the same manner, and especially where the mother had the distemper. There nobody would come near them, and both sometimes perished. Sometimes the mother has died of the plague, and the infant, it may be, half-born, or born but not parted from the mother. Some died in the very pains of their travail, and not delivered at all, and so many were the cases of this kind that it is hard to judge of them. Something of it will appear in the unusual numbers which are put into the weekly bills, though I am far from allowing them to be able to give anything of a full account, under the articles of childbed, abortive and stillborn, and chrisms and infants. Take the weeks in which the plague was most violent, and compare them with the weeks before the distemper began, even in the same year. For example, from January 3rd to March 7th, childbed, 48, abortive, 24, stillborn, 100. Whereas at the height of the visitation, from August 1 to October 3rd, there died 291 in childbed, 61 abortive, and 80 stillborn. To the disparity of these numbers, it is to be considered and allowed for that according to our usual opinion who were then upon the spot, there were not one-third of the people in the town during the months of August and September as were in the months of January and February. In a word, the usual number that used to die of these three articles, and as I hear, did die of them the year before, was, in 1664, 646, whilst in 1665, 1,242. This inequality, I say, is exceedingly augmented when the number of people are considered. I pretend not to make any exact calculation of the numbers of people which were at this time in the city, but I shall make a probable conjecture at that part by and by. What I have said now is to explain the misery of those poor creatures above, so that it might well be said, as in the scripture, Woe be to those who are with child, and to those which give suck in that day, for indeed it was a woe to them in particular. I was not conversant in many particular families where these things happened, but the outcries of the miserable were heard afar off. As to those who were with child, we have seen some calculation made. 291 women dead in childbed in nine weeks, out of one-third part of the number of whom there usually died in that time but eighty-four of the same disaster. Let the reader calculate the proportion. There is no room to doubt, but the misery of those that gave suck was in proportion as great. Our bills of mortality could give but little light in this, yet some it did. There were several more than usual starved at nurse, but this was nothing, 
The misery was where they were. First, starved for want of a nurse, the mother dying and all the family and the infants found dead by them, merely for want. And, if I may speak my opinion, I do believe that many hundreds of poor helpless infants perished in this manner. Secondly, not starved, but poisoned by the nurse. Nay, even where the mother has been nurse, and having received the infection, has poisoned, that is, infected the infant with her milk, even before they knew they were infected themselves, nay, and the infant has died in such a case before the mother. I cannot but remember to leave this admonition upon record, if ever such another dreadful visitation should happen in this city, that all women that are with child or that give suck should be gone, if they have any possible means, out of the place, because their misery, if infected, will so much exceed all other people's. I could tell here dismal stories of living infants being found sucking the breasts of their mothers or nurses after they have been dead of the plague, of a mother in the parish where I lived who, having a child that was not well, sent for an apothecary to view the child, and when he came, as the relation goes, was giving the child suck at her breast, and to all appearance was herself very well. But when the apothecary came close to her, he saw the tokens upon that breast with which she was suckling the child. He was surprised enough, to be sure, but, not willing to fright the poor woman too much, he desired she would give the child into his hand. So he takes the child and goes to a cradle in the room, lays it in, and, opening his cloth, found the tokens upon the child, too. And both died before he could get home to send a preventive medicine to the father of the child to whom he had told their condition. Whether the child infected the nurse-mother or the mother the child was not certain, but the last most likely. Likewise of a child brought home to the parents from a nurse that had died of the plague, yet the tender mother would not refuse to take in her child and laid it in her bosom, by which she was infected, and died with the child in her arms dead also. It would make the hardest heart move at the instances that were frequently found of tender mothers tending and watching their dear children, and even dying before them, and sometimes taking the distemper from them and dying, when the child for whom the affectionate heart has been sacrificed has gone over and escaped. The like of a tradesman in East Smithfield, whose wife was big with child of her first child, and fell in labor, having the plague upon her. He could neither get midwife to assist her or nurse to tend her, and two servants which he kept fled both from her. He ran from house to house like one distracted, but could get no help. The utmost he could get was that a watchman, who attended at an infected house shut up, promised to send a nurse in the morning. The poor man, with his heart broke, went back, assisted his wife what he could, acted the part of the midwife, brought the child dead into the world, and his wife in about an hour died in his arms, where he held her dead body fast until the morning, when the watchman came and brought the nurse as he had promised. And coming up the stairs, for he had left the door open or only latched, they found the man sitting with his dead wife in his arms, and so overwhelmed with grief that he died in a few hours without any sign of the infection upon him, but merely sunk under the weight of his grief. I have heard also of some who, on the death of their relations, have grown stupid with the insupportable sorrow, and of one in particular who was so absolutely overcome with the pressure upon his spirits 
that by degrees his head sank into his body, so between his shoulders that the crown of his head was very little seen above the bone of his shoulders, and by degrees losing both voice and sense, his face, looking forward, lay against his collarbone and could not be kept up any otherwise unless held by the hands of other people, and the poor man never came to himself again, but languished near a year in that condition and died. Nor was he ever once seen to lift up his eyes or to look upon any particular object. I cannot undertake to give any other than a summary of such passages as these, because it was not possible to come at the particulars, where sometimes the whole families where such things happened were carried off by the distemper. But there were innumerable cases of this kind which presented to the eye and ear, even in passing along the streets, as I have hinted above. Nor is it easy to give any story of this or that family, which there was not diverse parallel stories to be met with of the same kind.' 